Good morning to you all. I am Jamie, and uh, it is my honor and privilege to invite you to point your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the pew in front of you. Exodus chapter 20 is found on page 61 of the church Bibles. If you're not familiar with how the Bible works, the chapter numbers are the big numbers, and the verse numbers are the little numbers. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to go ahead and read all of the Ten Commandments, verse 1 down to 17. Pray, ask for the Lord's help on our time together in this passage as we consider the Sixth Commandment. Exodus chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. Hear now the word of the Lord. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Let's pray. Father, we bow our hearts before you, humbled by your word, recognizing all of the ways, Lord, that we have failed to keep your Ten Commandments in our own lives. And asking first, Lord, that you would show us mercy 
And second, that you would give us a deeper and greater understanding of this text. So that understanding this text, we might keep it and bring honor to your name. And through our lives and through our words, proclaim the excellencies of Christ until Christ is all. We ask this for Jesus' sake and pray that you would do it. Amen. Amen. Well, some years ago, my family and I were planning a trip to go camping. And I went to the store to pick up some last-minute camping supplies. And as I waited my turn in the self-checkout lane at Walmart... The assortment of items that I was purchasing occurred to me. In my hands, I held a knife and a shovel and a rope and some oversized trash bags. And I've watched enough murder mysteries on TV to know what this looked like. And without thinking, I looked up at the security cameras above my head, making the situation even worse, because now they have my face. Well, I thought, that's not a big deal. I'll just scan these items and keep my head down and leave Walmart and go about my business. And I decided, you know what, it's probably best to scan the knife first so that I can stick it in a bag and no one else will see it and they won't put everything together. And so I scanned it, and you know what happened. That little box pops up on the screen that said, an assistant is coming to help you to check out. And I've seen this movie in my mind. I see this woman who now knows my situation. She's sitting on the stand in my trial. I saw him purchasing those things. And I wondered to myself, should I say something to her? Like, what if she asks me what my plans are this weekend? What am I going to tell her? I'm going to have to lie. I can't tell her, I'm going camping in the deep, deep woods. Well, I checked out, and that was many years ago. I still have not been framed for murder, thankfully. In truth, I've never killed anyone and buried their body deep in some woods in a state campground. So you'll be thankful to know I've not ever buried someone. However, according to Scripture, that doesn't mean I'm not a murderer. I'm sorry to upset you, but your pastor is a murderer. Actually, all of them are. And it may come as some comfort to you. Maybe it won't. So are you. The Bible says everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. In 1 John 3.15. Jesus said that unrighteous Anger, insulting someone, wishing ill will of someone, carries the same sentence as murder. Unjustified anger is the same as murder. One of my favorite authors, David Pallison, wrote a book on anger. Chapter 2 of that book was titled... Do you have a serious problem with anger? And the whole chapter is one word. Yes. It turns out we're all murderers. 
Thanks for coming to church today. Have a great week. Well, the sixth commandment, do not murder, is one of those commandments that I think almost no one disagrees with. And yet you'll find as we dig deeper into this commandment, you'll find that it's, it may be one that is broken more than any other. On the surface, the sixth commandment seems rather easy to keep. Don't kill people and bury them in your backyard. Check your axes. Are your axes clean? Good. You've kept the sixth commandment. But as we dig deeper into this, as we have already seen the first five commandments, the more you dig in, the more you see it's not as simple as it seems on the surface. Here's the big idea this morning, some part of which I've borrowed from a 17th Baptist catechism by Benjamin Keach. Baptists had catechisms, or at least they used to. It is this, since man has been made in the image of God, the sixth commandment requires all lawful endeavors to preserve human life, both our own and others. So since all humans have been made in the image of God, the sixth commandment requires that we do everything, all lawful endeavors, to preserve human life which includes others and our own. So we'll stick to the same outline that we've used in the previous five commandments. The sixth commandment explained, the sixth commandment broken, and the sixth commandment fulfilled. And we're going to see that even though we're all guilty of breaking the sixth commandment, through Jesus Christ, who is the fulfillment of the sixth commandment, we can keep the sixth commandment by protecting and preserving and promoting life. So that's how it's lined up, and at the end of the sermon, I'll give you some ways our church, collectively, can do this. Now, a word of warning before we jump in. Some, some of the things that I have to say about the Sixth Commandment are heavy. I mean, we're talking about murder, after all. So stick with me, and hang with me to the end. Let's read verse 13 one more time, and then we'll dig in to what it means. You shall not murder. This is two words in the original. The Old Testament, Exodus was written in Hebrew, and it's two words, not murder. It's rather simple. There are eight different Hebrew words for kill. This particular Hebrew word means the unlawful taking of life intentionally or through negligence. The unlawful taking of human life Intentional or through negligence. Human life is sacred. And the unlawful taking of human life is a violation of the sixth commandment. And so let's take an excursus in the, old, in the Old Testament of your Bible. And let's have a look at the very first murder in the Bible. Anyone know where that is? Genesis chapter Four. So if you have your Bible open, go forward in the backwards in your Bible to Genesis chapter 4, page 3 of the church Bible. Those of you who are familiar with your Bible, you'll know that Genesis 3, the chapter before Genesis 4, describes the fall of mankind into sin. That God created man upright, gave him a mandate, 
to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, to subdue the earth. And the first man, Adam, the first woman, Eve, rebelled against God and they brought sin into the world. And their sin incurred God's righteous judgment and meant that they would be removed from His good presence and it would result in physical and spiritual death. That happened in Genesis 3. Well, things begin to unravel from there. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. Now, Adam knew his wife, Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother, Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain, a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry. And his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? So Adam and Eve had a couple of boys, Cain and Abel. They bring offerings to the Lord. And if you are following along the Bible reading plan of the church, you read yesterday in Hebrews 11 that Abel offered an offering of faith. God accepts Abel's offering of faith, but Cain's is rejected, and he gets angry. And the Lord speaks to Cain, and he warns him to put a check on his anger. He says, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain did not put a check on his anger, and he rose up and he killed his brother. And then the Lord said to Cain, where's Abel? And Cain said, how should I know? Am I my brother's keeper? It is the first murder in the Bible. Well, things begin to unravel even more from there. Later on in chapter 4, one of Cain's own descendants, a polygamist, by the name of Lamech, boasts of his murder. He murked a dude for slapping him in the face. And then he writes poetry about it. And he reads his poetry to his wives, as one does. Hear my voice, you wives of Lamech, he says. Listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-seven. Shakespeare who? That's amazing. And in the generations that follow, the earth begins to become filled with violence. 
And God warns mankind to repent of this through the preaching of Noah. And they don't. And the Lord sends a flood to destroy the earth. And then God makes a covenant with Noah after Noah and his family are delivered from the flood. And the Lord reissues the creation mandate to Noah and his family. It's kind of like a new Garden of Eden, a new creation. He tells them to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And now if you still have your Bible open, go to Genesis chapter 9. That's the first eight chapters of the Bible. Genesis chapter 9. Let's pick up reading in verse 5. This is the Lord speaking to Noah. And for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. From every beast, I will require it, and from man. From his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Verse 6. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man. In his own image. And you, be fruitful and multiply. Increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. And so here we see the rationale of the sixth commandment. Mankind was made by God in the image of God. And God has willed that his image bearers increase greatly on the earth and multiply on the earth. Human life is precious to God because it is made in His image. And God has willed that His image, His image bearers, would fill the earth. And so, when a human takes the life of another human without God's authority to do so, it is murder. It is a violation of the sixth commandment. And it requires a reckoning. I've told you before that all of the Ten Commandments have a positive element and a negative element. And the negative element is obviously in the Sixth Commandment, don't murder. Well, then the positive element would be to preserve life, to protect life. So not only in the Sixth Commandment do we see that it is forbidden to take human life without God's authority... Also, the sixth commandment includes protection and preservation and promotion of life, of image bearers of God. And as you read through the rest of the Bible, you'll see both of these elements upheld in God's law. So that's the sixth commandment explained. Let's dig a little bit deeper and consider some of the ways the sixth commandment is broken. Got a few more verses to consider. The Tenth Commandment is a summary of all of the law. So maybe think of it like each commandment of the Ten Commandments is like a file cabinet. And all of the other commandments of God go in to those file cabinets. And there's a lot of files in the Sixth Commandment file cabinet. And we won't have time for all of them, of course. Some of the laws in that file cabinet protect life and some of the laws forbid killing. All of them, all murder is a breaking of the sixth commandment. So the easiest application of the sixth commandment is don't kill another human being without God's authority to do so. That's the easy part. 
But not all killing is a breaking of the sixth commandment. This is where it begins to require some thinking. So in your Bible, go forward back to Exodus, this time to Exodus 21. Exodus chapter 21. That's page 62 of the church Bible. Exodus 21. Let's look at verse 12. Whoever strikes a man so that he dies shall be put to death. Sixth commandment. But if he did not lie in wait for him, but God let him fall into his hand, then I will appoint for you a place to which you may flee. But if a man willfully attacks another by, to kill him by cunning, you shall take him from my altar that he may die. So the easy part first, intentional, premeditated physical harm of a human being that ends in death is murder. Intentional, premeditated physical harm of another human being that ends in death is murder. So elsewhere in the Bible, there are laws about like if, if a dude bludgeons another dude with like an iron or with a big rock or with a tool or something, it's murder if he dies. If, if he pushes a guy because he's mad at him, if he throws something at him to hurt him and he dies, it's murder. It's premeditated action taken with the intent to harm that ends in death and therefore it is a breaking of the sixth commandment, it is murder. However, you saw right here in Exodus 21, there are protections. If it's not premeditated, what we might call a crime of passion, voluntary manslaughter, a dude whacks another dude in a fit of rage, it may not be murder. And so God provides a place of refuge so that the family of the victim can't go exact revenge. Skip down to verse 28. We're still talking about when is it murder, when is it not murder. Verse 28. When an ox gores a man or a woman to death, the ox shall be stoned. Remember Genesis 9. I will require it of eating animals, and his flesh shall not be eaten. But the owner of the ox shall not be liable. Accidents happen. Verse 29, but if the ox has been accustomed to gore in the past and its owner has not been warned or has been warned but has not kept it in and it kills a man or a woman, the ox shall be stoned and its owner also put to death. So here we see that neglecting to protect life is a violation of the sixth commandment. There's even a commandment about putting a fence around the roof of your house, the elevated surfaces in your house, to protect people from falling. And if you don't, and someone dies, you are liable. This is criminal negligence. In God's law, there are accidental deaths that are protected. Things happen. Something falls on someone. An axe head flies off the handle and hits some dude in the face, and he dies. It's not murder. And so the victims of the man's family can't hunt down the axe handler and then get revenge. It's tragic when accidental deaths happen, but they are not a violation of the Sixth Commandment. 
Additionally, the Bible goes on to describe certain situations where self-defense, defending one's own family, actually upholds the sixth commandment, doesn't violate it. So we don't have time to look at all these, but if you, the very next chapter, 22, verse 2, if a thief breaks into your house in the middle of the night, the owner of the house, protecting himself and his family, if he kills the thief, it's not murder. But there are limits to this. If it's daytime, everything's different. So the sign, trespassers will be shot and survivors will be shot again, doesn't come from the Bible. And one example of this might be law enforcement who find themselves in situations where they're forced to use lethal force in order to protect someone else's life or their own life. It's not a violation of the Sixth Commandment. It's actually upholding the Sixth Commandment because they're protecting life. However, if the use of lethal force is unnecessary, it is a violation of the Sixth Commandment when it is used. So the Sixth Commandment forbids the taking of any life that God has not authorized to be taken. Okay? And that also means that abortion and infanticide are breaking the Sixth Commandment. Abortion is the intentional taking of a human life in the womb. It is murder. So is infanticide, the killing of infants. And this is nothing new. Christians have held this position on abortion and infanticide since the very beginning. In the Didache, which is a book that comes from the second century, it's one of the oldest books we have, we read, you shall not murder a child by abortion, nor kill them when born. Christians have always held that human life is precious, no matter the physical state of the person or the physical age of the person. Young or old, diseased or disabled, from the womb to the tomb, all human life is precious because all human beings have been made in the image of God. God, and therefore they deserve our highest protection. And this means that euthanasia is also a violation of the sixth commandment, as is physician-assisted suicide. It does not protect human life. It is God alone who determines the length of our days. Our God has not given us the right to end our own lives. The Bible says that we are not our own, but that we are called to glorify God in life and in death. Now, this is not the same as refusing treatment. Okay, so hear me clearly. That is not the same as refusing treatment. Sometimes families, and I pray God spares you this, but sometimes families have to make a difficult decision about their loved one uh, about whether or not to refuse certain types of medical treatment. Ending treatment is not the same as ending life. One allows the process of death to take its course, painful though that may be but the other imposes that death on the person. 
These are not the same at all. And at this point, I feel like I need to say a little something about self-harm. The sixth commandment calls upon us to protect all life, even our own. And so if you are struggling mentally, dealing with depression, considering hurting yourself, please get help. Please get help. If you know someone who is struggling with depression, help them. Take it seriously. It is not a joke. And hear me clearly, your life is precious. God loves you. He has numbered every hair on your head. He knows all your fears and all your failures. He hears all your prayers and sees all your tears. You are not alone ever. This God loves you. If you have a hard time believing this, reach out to one of your pastors. I've asked for their permission and they said it was okay for me to put their numbers on the screen here. If you're struggling with this, reach out to one of your pastors and we will help you or we will help find someone who will help you. There is hope and you are not alone. Bonnie, if you could just leave that up there for a couple of minutes. So the sixth commandment forbids the unlawful taking of human life. It commands the protection and the preservation and the promotion of human life. And so let's keep digging into what exactly that means. So one of the most helpful places to go is to the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus himself teaches us how to apply the sixth commandment. Commandment. So, if you have your Bible, turn in the New Testament to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, page 810 of the church Bible. And the Lord Jesus will help us to unpack the sixth commandment and apply it to our own lives. This is Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. You've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Do you see what the Lord Jesus is doing here? He's keeping us from just hanging out on the surface of the Sixth Commandment and saying, well, it just says don't murder, and I don't have any bodies buried in my backyard, so I'm good. But Jesus is showing us here that it's not just the physical act of murder that breaks the Sixth Commandment. It is the malicious intent behind the act that also breaks the Sixth Commandment. You see, you don't have to pull the trigger. You just have to wish that someone would. Jesus teaches us that murder starts in the heart. 
and works out from there. Murder starts in the heart of man long before it is executed by the hand of man. And so he says, if anyone is angry with his brother, he will be liable to the same penalty as if he actually murdered his brother. It's the verse that we quoted at the opening. First, John 3.15, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. John goes on to say, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. You remember God's warning to Cain. Why are you angry? Sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is for you. You must overcome it. He's telling Cain, don't play around with anger. You've got to overcome this. This is going places you do not want to go. Cain's anger led to Cain's murder. And if that isn't enough, Jesus goes on to tell us that even the expressions of our anger are sinful. Insults, calling your brother a fool, makes you liable to the hell of fire. This you fool statement in Matthew 5 is an expression of contempt. It's what Cain was saying when he said, I don't know where he is. Am I my brother's keeper? I don't care. Murder starts in the heart. So you may not cut the brake lines, but you commit the murder when you wish ill will on on someone, on anyone, on an enemy, on a crazy leftist, on a right-wing nut job, on that jerk of a boss, on your lazy husband, on illegal aliens, on an offensive customer, on that woman who spurned your friendship, on the gossip. No matter who they are, no matter what they have done, they are an image bearer of God. And we do not murder them with our words, with our actions, or even with our thoughts. Now, all the good Bible students in the room should be thinking, but wait a minute, didn't Jesus get angry? Didn't Jesus call out fools? Does that make Jesus a murderer? No. And the reason is because it's a matter of the heart. What's behind the anger Anger is what makes it sinful. Is there malice intended? Then it's murder. Is there good intended? Then it's not. And this is why the Apostle Paul will write to the Ephesians and say, be angry and yet do not sin. But search your heart, brothers and sisters, search your heart. If you're honest with yourself, When you give in to anger, is it a righteous anger? Or is it the other kind? You don't get your way, and so you get angry. Church, listen to James chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Just listen to what James writes to this church. What causes quarrels? 
And what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. So whenever you're frustrated, whenever you're feeling anger growing up in you toward a specific person or toward a certain group of people, remember what the Lord said to Cain. Sin is crouching at your door and its desire is for you, but you must overcome it. Sixth commandment forbids doing anything or thinking anything or feeling anything related to your brother or your sister's harm. And the sixth commandment commands all lawful endeavors to protect their well-being and to promote their well-being. Two verses after John likens hate to murder, he writes this, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? And so for this reason, the reformer Martin Luther believed that if I have the means to do good to my brother, to prevent evil in his life, prevent any bodily harm coming to him, and I refuse to do it, I have broken the sixth commandment. that's a lot. By these definitions, that makes all of us guilty of the sixth commandment, all of us guilty of committing murder, willing harm on anyone by thought, word, or deed, neglecting or refusing to protect someone, promote life in them, is a violation of the sixth commandment. So there may not be bodies buried in our backyard, but there are plenty of bodies buried in our backstory. And so what do we do with this? What do we do with this exacting commandment? Because Revelation chapter 22 is very scary. It says that no murderer gets into heaven. There's a wall between murderers and heaven. And so we'll end our time considering the ways in which Jesus fixes this big problem. And take heart, dear ones. The story does not end here. For on the morning of the day in which we call Good Friday, two men stood before an angry crowd. There was a tradition on that day, a holy day in the Jewish calendar, where one guilty prisoner would go free. And on that particular morning, 2,000 years ago, the Roman governor Pontius Pilate placed two men before the crowd. Jesus of Nazareth and a rebel a murderer named Barabbas. It was an insane choice between the two. For the one, Jesus, the Son of God, is innocent, sinless, perfect, a healer, a giver of life. And the other man, Barabbas, was a murderer, a rebel, a taker of life. And the people chose Barabbas. Jesus would be crucified and the murderer would go free. The innocent one would carry the cross while the guilty goes free. Friends, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6 
There is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. Christ broke down in his body, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, the wall that separates murderers from eternal life. He became a murderer so that murderers would be set free. So if you're visiting with us and you're not a Christian, I hope you've been listening even though you may not have ended the life of someone personally, in God's eyes, you are guilty of the very same thing as ending someone's life. If you have harbored ill will against a human being, you have killed them in God's eyes. Friends, turn from your sin. Turn to Jesus Christ today. Without Him, you will face the hell of fire that your sin deserves. Friend, believe in Jesus Christ. Turn from your sin and receive the full forgiveness of your sin that only God can give you. So after the service today, talk with someone, whoever brought you to church today. Talk with them. If you came on your own, talk with me. I'll be standing by those doors. Tell someone you'd like to become a Christian. Have your sins forgiven. Jesus Christ proved the preciousness of human life. He was murdered for murderers. Those who had forfeited their own life can now receive them back by trusting in Jesus Christ. Having been united to him in faith, Jesus then transforms life takers into life givers. Those of us who once murdered with words can now give life with words. Those of us who once hated in our hearts can now love our enemies in our hearts. Those of us who once said, am I my brother's keeper, can now say, please let me be my brother's keeper. Because like the Savior has done for them, they lay down their lives to protect and preserve and promote the life of others. And so the Apostle Paul wrote, if I am to live in the flesh, it means fruitful labor for me. So long as God gives life and breath and strength, church, spend yourself protecting, preserving, and promoting life in others. And uphold the sixth commandment. I close with three ways, briefly, that we as a church can promote life. Three ways. Number one, by protecting the unborn. Number two, by placing the unplaced. And number three, by reaching the unreached. First, we can promote life by protecting the life of the unborn. As a church, we can work and we can pray to see life protected and preserved in the womb from the moment of conception on. We can promote the cause of life by supporting mothers who are considering abortion. We can support agencies with our time and with our finances, agencies which are offering training and help to men and women considering abortion. We praise God for the overturning of Roe v. Wade. It is just the beginning. We continue to work until abortion is not just illegal, 
but unthinkable in this country and the world. Number two, we can promote the life of the unplaced. There are over 420,000 children in foster care in America right now. And as a church, we can promote life by helping to encourage foster parents and encourage more parents to become foster parents and adopt. And I'm deeply thankful for those in our number who are already starting this God-glorifying work. And I pray the Lord would use them as an avalanche to get things going for the rest of us, to promote the life of the unplaced. Finally, we can promote life by reaching the unreached. God cares about all life, especially eternal life. And there are three billion people alive today who are considered unreached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That means three billion people alive today are facing a murderer's sentence who don't know how to be set free of that sentence. And if we are truly a people who cherish life and hold the sixth commandment, then we must either go ourselves or we must support someone who does. So protect the unborn, place the placed, place the unplaced, and reach the unreached. Be your brother's keeper. Preserve your life and the life of others. This is the sixth commandment. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we approach you now as those who we recognize have broken the sixth commandment. And Lord, we shudder to think of the number of ways in which we have done this. And because of this, we have no right to ask anything of you. But because of your son, because you are rich in mercy, in sending him to die in our place for our sin, we ask that you would look upon Jesus now and pardon our sins. Lord, make us a people of life. Those, those who lay down their lives in whatever capacity you enable us so that others can be built up and strengthened and encouraged. Make us a people who speak life-giving words and root out murder in our hearts. Lord, enable us with God-glorifying selflessness to serve the advance of the gospel, protecting the unborn, helping to find homes for the unplaced, and reaching the unreached. Protect us from the American dream to accumulate wealth for ourselves and to spend it on our comforts. There's so much work to be done. Thank you for the privilege of inviting us into that work and enable us to work faithfully in order that 
Jesus would receive the praise he rightly deserves. Amen. Please stand to your feet for the prayer of confession. Brothers, if you can come forward. Having confessed our sins now, we go to God's word for an assurance of pardon. If you're trusting in Jesus to forgive you of your sins. Jeremiah 33, 8 is true of you. Hear now the word of the Lord. I will cleanse them from all the guilt of their sin against me. And I will forgive all the guilt of their sin and rebellion against me.